Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Custom Made Kid. I'm your host, Amy Williams. If you're new here, I'm excited you've joined us today. This podcast is a place where real conversations about infertility, foster care, and adoption happen. My hope is that by the end of today's episode, you have learned something, been challenged, are encouraged in some way, or maybe feel less alone. We all have our own unique journey. No two are the same, and no one's is perfect. Kaylee Berkland, as you'll hear in this episode, has a contagious confidence in the goodness of God. She is a wife to Drew and mother to her little girl, Evie Rose, who she and Drew adopted about four years ago now. Evie is a constant reminder of the Lord's faithfulness and kindness. She has mended Kaylee's broken heart, fulfilled her dreams of motherhood, and brightens up the world of everyone who knows her. Yet 11 years after getting married, Kaylee and Drew are still waiting on God to answer their prayers to grow their family again, this time through biology. Despite all odds, Kaylee still believes that a pregnancy is going to be a part of their story. But the question might be asked, how do you stay positive? How do you stay strong in your faith when it all seems like a never-ending hurry up and wait? Let's see what Kaylee has to say about that. Hi, Kaylee. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. (laughs) It's good to have you here. It's so good to be here. I'm so excited. Great. Well, so let's start out by telling our listening audience a little bit about who you are. You know, work, family, hobbies, just the the highlights that you feel like you'd want them to know if, if you met them for the first time. For sure. So um, I am married to Drew. Um, we have been married for 11 years, just celebrated our 11th anniversary. And he is a worship pastor. And I am a stay-at-home mom. I have been for four years. Um, But before that, I actually taught elementary school. So I have a teaching background. During the day, um, it's really spent mostly, you know, taking care of my kiddo. So um, I really enjoy Netflix. I have to, you know, I have to read. I make myself read. I'm really, really, really trying to make space You know, I'm good at reading things online, but really holding a book and reading it, you know, um, trying to make that a little bit more of a priority these days. Um, Some intellectual moments. You know, I'm really trying hard. You know, at (laughs) at almost 33, you know, I'm going to really, really try to to take hold of that, you know. Um, But yeah, I love love hanging with our friends. Um, We have a great, great, great community around us. We do a lot of stuff with them. You have an online community, too. Oh, yes. Online community is where I also spend a lot of my time connecting there as well, for sure. And honestly, it's been really amazing over the last 10 years or so watching that grow and change. I actually today, no lie, hung out with a friend that we met online probably five years ago. And now we live like five minutes from each other. That's crazy. It's the coolest thing kind of online we actually go to the same church different campuses but we connected through the adoption community online so yes yes so you've (laughs) also got Kaylee has her hands in a lot of things you've also got cheers to planet which we'll talk about later in the podcast but I would love for you to just mention that and give a high level of that really quick and then we'll dig into it later yeah definitely I mean probably the beginning of our marriage so around 11 years ago I started a blog and it started out and I called it more than you'll ever know. That's something that Drew and I say back to each other. And um, I think we originally actually heard it on a song, but I started it and I was like, 
I'll start blogging and I'll just start sharing just about newlywed stuff and marriage and all these things. Well, fast forward to probably three years or so into marriage and um, we had been trying to grow our family and it wasn't happening yet. And so then I started blogging about that on the same blog and then fast forward a few more years and we actually started the adoption process. And then my sister flippantly said, cheers to plan A or whatever. And we like dinged our glasses together. And I was like, wait. And so I was like, that's a really cool name. And Mm -hmm. so then. Well, because there is a stigma sometimes that people who haven't experienced it would kind of look at it like a plan B or even make comments like, well, go ahead and start the adoption process and then you'll get pregnant. Exactly. And it's so interesting because it wasn't, it wasn't my plan A. Exactly. Originally, like I had, the only thing I had in my mind was I've got to get pregnant to be a mom. Like that is the only thing that can, it consumed me for so long. And then the whole, the whole journey of all of that and this being the plan all along, infertility and all those no's and everything led us to the plan A that we were supposed to get to. You know, you're so right. Like the the things that are said and the things that are not said and the things that are said too much, all of that, you know, it's it's very hard to hear, I think, especially with someone who's just diving in to the adoption world. And I think that it's there's so much to be said about owning that maybe you walked through infertility for a little bit or you know maybe there was a diagnosis or maybe there was something that happened that led you to adoption and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that you know sure Um, I've only ever really had one very negative comment on social media about mm -hmm. custom-made kid and the individual said and I could see their position however it was not my heart and did not reflect where I came from Mm -hmm. but it was kind of this comment about how come these Christians, it always takes infertility to get them to the point of adoption. And why don't you just admit that it's your plan B? And I was like, ouch, but that mm-hmm. is exi- that's the opposite of the case. It right. just took God using infertility to get me out of my own way exactly, so that I could have plan A. Exactly, um, exactly. But anyway, moving on from my little soapbox there, (laughs) adoption (laughs) did become a part of your story. Definitely. So tell me a little bit about that. Tell me how God moved your heart toward adoption. I would love to hear more about your story of um, Evie and getting your daughter. Yes. Well, originally, you know, growing up, like I knew what adoption was, but there was never an impression on my heart. Like it never affected me. I never, I wasn't touched by it until... Probably, it was in 2005, I had just graduated high school. I went to live in Denver, Colorado, and I participated in YWAM, Youth with a Mission. So I went to discipleship training school there, and then we ended up spending two months in Malaysia and Indonesia. So I lived over there. It really opened my eyes. We stayed in an orphanage for a little while, and I think that my eyes were opened, my heart was touched, and I realized, like, oh my goodness, there, there are children that need moms and dads. And so that was kind of the beginning of 
my understanding that adoption exists and that it's a real need and that, that it's a real thing and, and those types of things. Fast forward, you know, I ended up coming home and like talking to my parents and people and I was just like, why, why have people not adopted? Like I was just really concerned why it wasn't in my life. So it impacted me for sure, but obviously I didn't know what it would look like in my life. Fast forward to um, Drew and I dating. We started dating in 2006 and it was a very on and off relationship. We talk about so much and we get, we laugh now, but dating was very tough and we were thankful to get to marriage and um, <laughs> it was just really hard. So in 2007, okay, so this is for another time, but he actually told me that he wanted to marry me when we were broken up. So that is an interesting part of our story, but the crazy thing is, is that when he, when he asked me that, I said, okay, I've got to, I've got to know how you feel about two things. And he was like, okay, I honest, I honestly, the test. seriously though, why did I say these <laughs> kinds of things? Like, and so one, I honestly can't remember the other thing, but the second thing that I asked him, I said, I need you to be okay with adoption. And he said, if we can't have our own children, and I'm quoting that as I'm talking to you right now, because we know that children that are adopted are our own. Well, everyone probably pre-coming yes, to that place of definitely. adoption has made a comment like that. Definitely. Unless adoption was part of their growing up story. It's so true. It's so true. I wouldn't know the language and the things that I know unless I have walked this road. There's so much grace in all of that. So much There grace. should be grace too, because I'll exactly. have people say things to me and I think, okay, I've, I probably said something like that. Or I know you don't understand what you just said, so I'm not going to take that personal. And I may or may not kind of call them on it. Like right. for instance, when I was pregnant, so obviously you know that our oldest daughter is adopted. Mm -hmm. And then our second child is a biological child. And people who knew that story or knew the adoption story would say, are you so excited to have a child of your own? Mm -hmm. And partly the hormones, I'm sure. <laughs> but also just in general, that flew all over me. And, you know, here she is standing there and she's she thankfully wasn't at an age where she understood that comment. But I was so concerned about that language mm -hmm. and it's just, and I would say, you mean other than Landry, just to kind of set the, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. And most of them kind of were taken aback a little bit, like, oh, I, you know, you could tell it rang with them once I said that. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that went on from there where they wouldn't use that phrasing right, again. Right, right. And, you know, and there, there is, and I'm learning so much. I'm still learning so much about that, I believe, constantly. And I think that this my journey has given me, you know, empathy and grace for, you know, people that are walking journeys that I haven't walked, you know, and I might not sure. under, and I might not understand appropriate language or things like that in other Absolutely, people's situations. It's not just this kind of story that has its own language. Other Definitely not. Do too. Definitely not. I have a, I have a friend that her kiddo has Down syndrome and I have asked her questions like is this appropriate to ask is this okay to say like do I need to change my verbiage in this way if I say this you know and I and I welcome questions like that like yeah I think that that is so awesome that people are trying to 
learn how to speak to other people because there's yes. just so many different avenues in how people are growing families and, you know, adoption and biological and foster care and surrogacy. And I mean, you just, there's just so much. There is a lot. But at this point, let's rewind a little bit here. Drew obviously answered that question correctly because y'all are married. <laughs> he did. He definitely did. Bless his soul. He, but I'm, I know he's glad he answered that question correctly. So, because, you know, I'm like the best gift ever he's ever received. So Clearly. there's that. So there's that. Yeah. So he, he answered that question and we were broken up and he didn't have a ring at that point. And then a few months later, he asked me to marry him with a ring and then we got married we pretty much started trying to conceive immediately, but it wasn't until, you know, adoption was just, it was always on my heart, but pregnancy and biological was at the forefront. You know what I'm saying? Like I had been so vocal about our struggles that I wasn't getting the silly, crazy questions anymore, which was related a, to infertility, related to infertility. Yes. I wasn't getting asked all the time if, when we were going to have a baby, because I was very vocal that we had been trying for a really long time and it hadn't happened. And, uh, 2013 was the worst and best year probably of our marriage. I would say my heart was ready to be a mom and it had been ready to be a mom for a really long time. Like I didn't have to pray like when to start or how to start or anything like my heart was just so there and so for three months um i prayed for drew we didn't talk about adoption um i didn't mention it one time and that was just so hard for me because i always want to bounce ideas and talk and this and that and and the holy spirit just did not allow that and then that august Drew and I were laying in bed and he turned over and he said, hey, I'm ready to start the process. And of course, immediately tears came. You know, I started just bawling my eyes out. And I've been waiting uh, for you. <laughs> I've been waiting for this my whole life. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it was it was it was pretty it was a pretty awesome moment to be on the same page, you know, because it had just been it had been a long time of a lot of back and forth and a lot of decisions and a lot of no's and a lot of, you know, it had been a, it had been a rough and a rocky road up until that point. And it was just really cool knowing that adoption was going to be hard, but it didn't just have, well, y'all had been doing hard. That wasn't see, too far of a stretch. Totally true. That's so true. I mean, it, and it's all hard. I mean, you know, like I feel like any season that you're walking through and you're, you're in the center of the Lord's will. There are going to be circumstances and things that are hard. I think that that's just that's just the deal, you know. Well, that's but, spiritual warfare at its finest. Because exactly. if you are purely focused on God's will and open to His plan, mm-hmm. then you're dangerous. Exactly to the enemy, and exactly. so He's going to throw all the noise at you that He can. Yeah, and for sure. I think you know that is probably one reason that adoption is so hard. There's a ton of other variables, clearly. Right. But I do feel like, especially when believers are finally in that sweet spot, in that mm-hmm. pocket where they're really hearing the Lord and they're moving forward according to the plan, right. things get crazy. Right. Definitely. And, you know, it's not just, and I speak a lot about this, it's not just random. Like Landry is not, was not randomly given to you, you know, and Evie was not randomly chosen. You know, her birth mom didn't randomly choose us. I mean, the Lord lined it all and it's been the plan since the beginning. And we were going to raise kingdom warriors and the enemy is going to do everything that he can 
to keep them not in our arms. And so it's a fight. It is. It's, it's all a fight. Well, so I do have, it's interesting that you say that there was no way that Landry was not meant to be, you know, coming into the adoption or actually coming into meeting her and then picking her up and going through the adoption process. There was a lot of noise Mm -hmm. and just, it was just a hard time. There was so much change. There were so many concerns about her health at that time. And the first time I ever changed her diaper I had already been given her from her birth mother, and I'm driving from Texas back home, and I pull over to change her diaper. And when I was doing that, I looked at her inner thigh, and she had a birthmark in the exact same place I did, same shape, same color, opposite leg, like mirror image. And I remember getting chills and starting to cry because I thought, Lord, I know that you had orchestrated all this, but you, you like signed your masterpiece so that there was no way I could question this. Just felt like this huge confirmation in my spirit that he was right there in all the details the whole time. Right. And we had sort of something like that along those lines. The the one thing, I mean, there were so many things, and I bet you can identify with that. There were so many things that, I mean, little and big things that it's like, okay, like, Lord, you're in this. Like, you know, she's supposed to be with me. But when we met Evie's birth mother, um, one of the first things um, that she said to us, maybe the second time that we talked, and she said, one of the big reasons that I chose you guys was because you didn't have children and oh yeah so you talk about putting somebody in their place you know what I'm saying and obviously that wasn't her heart behind it she was just telling me you know she was just telling me what was what was on her heart but it was like the Lord was saying this is what I had for you all along I wasn't telling you no I was just telling you to wait obviously you did adopt and so I do want to hear about when that happened, how it happened, because you've decided now, and let's get to it. And then I kind of want to move on past adoption in this particular instance, because obviously you have adopted and you guys are on the same page there, mm-hmm. but you're still waiting. And I want to talk right. about that some. So let's talk right. Evie and then let's go from there. Yes. So we started the process in 2013. We did the um, home study and all of that goodness in about three months. We went active, so that means that we were, you know, birth mothers were seeing our profiles um, at the end of 2013, and then we waited with Lifeline here in Birmingham for a whole, like, all of 2014. Which probably felt like an eternity. You know, it really did, and and honestly, like, at that point, I, I didn't... I wasn't being shown, like Drew actually took responsibility for seeing all of the birth mother's profiles and things. And so I wasn't experiencing any of the no's. It was one of the most, it was pro- it's been probably the most healing year of our marriage. It was such a blessing and it was such a sacrifice for him. And I, I think about that often. I, my heart healed so much in that year. There was so much peace know that sounds so odd because that's not really what people what they used to describe when they're talking about the adoption weight but it really was and it sounds like God was using that time to prepare and heal you for what was to come and then using Drew to run interference for you which is phenomenal he really did he really did and (laughs) running interference that is that is a very good way to describe Drew for sure 
I feel like he does that often and <laughs> um, in a lot of ways. At the end of 2014, we still obviously had not gotten chosen. Um, and a friend of mine, we've been friends for like six or seven years, contacted me on Facebook and she knew somebody in Kentucky and um, through this friend to Evie's birth mother. And the end of that month, we were meeting her and we were in the ultrasound room and we were finding out if, if Evie was a girl or a boy. And then Evie was born in May of 2015 and we were in the delivery room. That is amazing. Yes, and now she's four years old, which is unreal. Time flies, doesn't it? You I blink. I mean, it just really does. And I just hate saying that, and I say it so much, but it's just so true. I feel like since I have since I got out of high school, that time has just sped up by, like, I don't even know, like, just so fast. Um, I agree. I still feel 16, just my <laughs> outside doesn't agree. <laughs> I know. I'm um, telling, I still feel like I'm like, you know, 2021, and then I'm like, I am, nope, nope, nope. I am not that old. Mm-mm, right. Definitely not. Part of what you're st- still dealing with is that weight. And one of the things that I think you do is you struggle well. And I'm sure not every day, because there are those behind the scene moments where you fall apart and you ask God all the questions and the people in your day-to-day life probably see more than, although you are very transparent, more <laughs> than you know the Instagram community or whatever. Right, right. But I wanted to talk about the graceful weight, but then also the not so graceful weight. So mm-hmm. tell me how you sort of manage the day-to-day of waiting and still trusting God for that promise? I think that two of the biggest things that have made the difference, probably in the last four or five years, since we've, you know, since we brought Evie home, we've known that there will be more kids. And it's just been a process of, of waiting some more. And my number one thing that has made the difference for me is learning how to keep my hands open. When I talk to someone who's just starting to grow their family or they just got a diagnosis or you fill in the blank, you know, whatever it is, like open your hands and let the Lord have his way early on. Let him speak to you. Let people speak to you. But just be open that it might not look like you think it should look. And I think that that's one principle that has just really that I just keep at the forefront of my mind, you know, and um, when I feel like my grip is getting so tight, I just, I physically, like, I actually loosen my hands, like, I do that, and, and I see my hands open, and, and then I just invite the Holy Spirit in, into whatever I'm feeling and whatever's going on. I hope you're enjoying today's episode. Before we continue, I wanted to remind you to subscribe to the Custom Made Kid podcast. Don't miss out on future episodes. If you or someone you know has a foster or adoption story that needs to be told, I'd love to hear from you. Email connect at custommadekid.com. Okay, so the first survival tactic that you mentioned was leaving your hands open. Let's talk about the second one that you mentioned. I mean, and this is not going to even do this justice, what I'm about to say, but... I have, I have found my, my ministry. Like I have found making my waiting and my journey, first of all, glorifying God in it, but making it about others. And, and when I, when I say making it about others, I mean, inviting people into your weight, but also allowing others 
to see that you struggle and giving them a voice to be able to encourage you and then vice versa, you know, you being able to encourage them. I didn't want infertility and the things that I've struggled with, but, you know, looking back, I'm so thankful for it because a lot of the friendships that I have, including yours, I probably wouldn't have connected with people and crossed paths with people, you know, if I haven't walked this journey. Um, and I'm just, I'm just so thankful for that. My two things that I just always go back to with making this, making it, you know, a waiting well season or a graceful wait, whichever, whichever way that looks like. Yeah. And I do not think that there's any shame in having bad days, bad weeks, bad months. It's just about acknowledging that you don't see the big picture mm-hmm. and that, it will be painful sometimes and you probably will have serious moments of doubt but it's kind of just staying the course like always coming back center because i i struggled for infertility with infertility for 15 years right. before i had a biological child so 10 prior to landry five once i had an adopted daughter did not expect to ever get pregnant in my entire life and I'm by no means proud of this at all, but went through a divorce and God sent me an amazing man to love Landry and love me. And um, it was just something that he desired. And ultimately God answered that prayer. And I look back and I think there were two times in my life that God said, I've got some timing for you mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say yes. And I'm not saying no, I'm saying not yet. And one of them was Landry, because had I not struggled with infertility, I would not have gone the route of adoption. And it has been one of the main blessings of my entire existence. And then the second was Matt, really, my husband, and meeting him and then having some things fall into place. And I see God's kindness in it. But it's really hard when you're there in the wait to feel like the not yet is kind. Right. Oh, it so is. Man going back and thinking how it all came to be, me thinking for so many years, you know, like you said, that the Lord was unkind. And the biggest lie that I believed was that I had done something wrong. Sure, you, me you too. Know? And, and I think that that's a very, very common, like the enemy is not very clever and not very, like he doesn't really come no, up with he new. <laughs> the same stuff and we all fall for it. Exactly. Like he's not coming up with new stuff, you know. And so if he's told me that lie, way back when, he's most definitely still telling women the same lie. I was repenting and asking for forgiveness, and that's not what, that's not what was happening. He was really molding my heart, and he was, he was teaching me, and he was guiding me, and I would not be the person that I am. I would not be the wife or the mom, or the sister or the friend. It's made me more Christ-like, which is the goal, you know, of, I believe, every believer. We're, we're wanting to be more like him. And so I think that he totally uses these these opportunities and there's so much good that comes out of it. I agree. And I find that there are two things that that I can fall back on all the time and it's I'm a grateful mother because I had to wait so long and I'm not saying other mothers aren't grateful. Right. But there can be moments of mass chaos and I find myself thinking I could have not had this. Cool. And it makes me feel grateful even in the crazy and then the other thing is when I see God doing something I'm so much quicker now to say yes whatever because I've seen him come through and be so faithful and I don't think had I 
not experienced infertility that I would be in that place to say, okay, Lord, I'll go. I want this. I want what you want. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a lot of time praying for things I hope for and dream of, but I always kind of segue back to, I want what you want. So if all the things that I just said and asked you are, are not part of the plan, I'm good with that. Right. That has, and I think that you're, you're so right in the sense, like when I doubt or when I, when I have questions or when, which that stuff is not wrong. But when I, when I do kind of have a tough day or, you know, something happened, I immediately go back to the Lord bringing me Drew and, you know, the Lord bringing me Evie. And yeah. it's just, I mean, I didn't, ugh, I was doing so well. I made it 33 minutes without crying. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just, I didn't do, I didn't do anything to deserve them. And he allowed it to happen. And he was so faithful in all of this to bring her to me. And I, and she was in another, in another mama's belly and she still got to me. So I feel like if he can do that, man, you know, he's got this. He does. He does. And I have, you know, and I think we're so egocentric in the way that, and I don't mean that in an ugly way, you know, you think of ego as something negative, but we are the center of our own story in our minds. Mm -hmm. And we forget that part of our story is our husbands Mm -hmm. and our future babies. And for adoptive moms, there's that biological mom and biological father story going on. And God's interweaving all these pieces and parts together behind the scenes. And, you know, so when he's quiet, it's not because he's not busy. Right, exactly. And sometimes I think we think, oh, it's just up there and I'm not praying it right or I'm not hearing the lesson correctly or I'm not doing something right in my life and I need to repent better. And in reality, he is like heavy at work. Exactly, exactly. And I think that that's, there's been a lot of seasons since Evie's been born. I haven't really heard from the Lord and that's very unusual for me. I pray a lot and I kind of just talk to God and the communication line is pretty open and recently it's just been very quiet and and I know the truth of the fact that like exactly what you just said like he's not it's not because he's silent or it's because he's upset with me or that I haven't done something wrong I've done something wrong or anything like that he's busy there's such a bigger picture you know as moms moms to be we get lost in the fact of what we want our families to look like how we want them to come but the kiddos are born at a very 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 specific time it's the weaving that you are talking about like it's not coincidence it's this big picture like the lord is is waiting for tens of thousands of things to be in the perfect season for it to actually happen and come to be yeah. because yep. our kids have a, ch- a school that they're supposed to go to, a church family that they're supposed to have, friends that they're supposed to have, a spouse that they're supposed to meet. And that's supposed to happen at a very, very, very specific time. And it's just not random. No, it's not. The worst moment of my life, seriously, it, it, as a teenager, you know, and that <laughs> put that into perspective, <laughs> but was when my dad told me in the after the 10th grade that we would be moving from Birmingham, Alabama to Texas for a job. Mm-hmm. And I thought my life had officially come to an end. Mm-hmm. That move was where I met the the girl who would become the woman who would put me in contact 16 years later with my birth mom Mm -hmm. 
And I thought it was the worst thing that had happened to me. Mm-hmm. And God, 16 years prior to me ever meeting Landry, started mm-hmm. orchestrating that story and wow. used what I thought was terrible. And in reality, it's like probably the, the most faithful moment of my life. Going back for a minute to what you said about God being kind of quiet right now. that I had a really wise person tell me one time that if you're not hearing from God, you go back to the last thing that he told you. And until he tells you something different, that stands. Right. And I have loved that because when there are seasons of quiet, like you're talking about, the enemy starts all that chatter in your ear. Some of it is just about trusting. Exactly. It's all this about is not about you. Exactly. It's about me. Exactly. Yep. Like how really, many times I have to remind you? Everything about faith. It's not about you. Yeah. Exactly. Oh man, it is so yeah. not. It is so not. So let me play devil's advocate here, though, because you're a big <laughs> faith. You've got big faith, and your your big emotion and like, oh, everything yeah. <laughs> about Kaylee is great and big. But, like, not everyone hears God quite as clearly as you do or, Mm -hmm. you know, is as confident in those things as you are. So Mm -hmm. I agree with you, but I feel like sometimes, you know, even if God's in it or they have the idea that God's in it, Mm -hmm. actually kind of digging deep and saying, okay, I trust that he's in it, that's easier said than done. Right. Oh, definitely. There's got to be action with that. that. I think that stepping out. And stepping out into faith and saying, you know what, hey, like we're gonna do this. We're gonna invite people in this, and we're gonna we're gonna fundraise, and we're gonna do the best that we can, and we're just gonna we're gonna wait, but we're gonna take action. I think that there's yeah. so much. To, I think the Lord meets us there, whatever that looks like. It looks like it looks differently for every single person in when you decide to adopt. You I know. Agree. I think sometimes waiting is a part of the process, and then sometimes God says, pick yourself up and go. I'll meet you. Part of the beauty of adoption is it draws you into an intimacy with God where you almost have to talk to Him to stay sane. You do. You do. I I mean, I totally agree with that. And back to what we were saying a little while ago, this journey, man, there's been nothing like it. I'm so thankful that I know the Lord like I do because of all of this that has went that has gone down. You know, I wouldn't trade that for anything. The trust and the love and the grace that he gives me every single day is just because that's who he is. I haven't done anything to to deserve that or or anything. Like it's just it's who he is. He's ready to Unmerited give favor. Yes, he's ready to give yep. that to us. You yep. know, and and okay. I just yeah so good grab on yes hold on tight (laughs) (laughs) all right so as we wrap up here if someone in the listening audience has really you know found themselves where you are or is drawn to your story or would love to get in touch with you how do they find you i think the best place would be instagram um and they can find me at k b i r k E L A N D at K Berkland. Um, and I would love, I would love to connect and I would let y'all just shoot me a message. Well, and I'll put that in the show notes because that was hard to follow for a minute. So <laughs> I was having Berkland. trouble. I was having trouble spelling it and it's my name. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. I'll put it in the show notes and that, that way sounds good. Have an easy place to find it and find you. I have absolutely loved talking to you today. I cannot wait to have this story out there because I truly believe that it's going to touch somebody. And so thank you for joining me. Friend, it was so much fun. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for joining our show today. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes of the Custom Made Kid podcast. To learn more about the vision behind the Custom Made Kid Foundation, you can visit our website at custommadekid.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again, and I'm already looking forward to our next episode this same time next week.